My name's Kate. Um, if you're visiting with us today, because it's Baptism Sunday, very exciting. Um, you're very welcome and we're so glad that family and friends could be here today. We've even had interstate family and friends being able to make it to our services today, which is super exciting. Um, also, what's a little bit exciting about today um, is that I prepared what I was going to say today um, and then I had a dream last night and in the car on the way here, this is what happened <laughs> to what I was going to say. A um, whole bunch of it just got crossed out. So Tony's doing a really good job of, um, you know, kind of following on on what I think God was saying uh, because part of driving here was sort of, you know, it's lovely if you can craft a lovely piece of communication and it makes sense and isn't that fantastic but perhaps that's not what God's doing today so we're going to go with what God's doing today and just let me tell you about my dream it was a horrible dream so I'm not going to tell you too many details uh, it was a bad dream um, in that um, Arielle my youngest daughter and I were under threat from a person and we had to keep running away from them um, and I woke up and I was like oh that was very threatening that was very scary um, and just prayed into it, uh, prayed what God was doing and prayed protection over my family. And then um, I felt the picture change. I was awake and I saw a picture of me, <laughs> you know, speaking this morning. But I was on the beach and I was facing inland and behind me there was just a giant tsunami coming. Um, and, you know, I feel like having that dream where I was scared kind of really heightened for me the fact that when I prepared during the week, when I read back over what I'd read, I realised that I was just going to preach the gospel. I was just preaching Jesus. And, you know, we have opposition in this spiritual world that doesn't want people to hear the Jesus story because that's the bit that sets us free. That's the bit that brings life. So there's an opposition to that. And then this picture of the wave, and I felt like God say, don't even worry about what words you're going to use because I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyway. Um, and what's lovely about the way... I didn't even know what songs really that they were going to sing this morning. And can you hear? God cannot be stopped. Even when we can't see it, you're working. He's never going to stop working. Waymaker or wave maker. Do you see what I did there? Are you proud of me, Lance? Did you see that pun I did? Thank you. You become the pe like the people you hang around. Be careful. Be careful. Um, so I'm really excited. I was already excited about preaching the gospel, but then to, to feel from God that what he was doing in our city is so much greater than the words we use or what actually happens. Um, you know, it's just got this confidence about it, doesn't it? Um, and then, we, you know, we've got a very nautical theme happening here today, Michael, haven't we? We've got safe harbour, we've got boats, we've got all kinds of things. And two weeks ago, Lance um, brought a word to our church, um, if you're part of our church and you were here, and it was a picture of two waves. And one wave was coming from one direction, and it was the word, the Bible, right? And one wave was coming from the other direction, and it was the spirit. And those two waves were going to cross over in the middle. And have you ever seen a crazy kind of day at the beach where the waves all cross over when they meet together the peak is really high and there was foam and the way the water was getting more and more and more um, and in that foam and stuff there was supernatural stuff like healing and deliverance and God doing really amazing things um, and as Michael was sharing his word I'm really going off script now um, and talking about pilot lights pilot boats you realize that um, in a harbor to get a boat into a harbor uh, you've got to line up the lights, yeah? You can't just pick one 
There's got to be multiple things. Um, and the way to live a life in the presence of God is not just one thing. It's not a one-time decision for Jesus. It's the Word and it's the Spirit. All right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about being wholehearted. How do you be all of life in for Jesus? Because it's actually really impossible to get your toes wet in a tsunami. You're all in. You can't help it. Um, and that's life with Jesus, being all in to everything that he's doing and not just being a little bit part in the day that you got saved, uh, but being all in forever for the rest of your earthly life. Uh, because sometimes human beings are actually really good at this. We're actually very good at self-deception. If there's a messy part or a broken part or a part that we're a little bit uncomfortable with, we're actually really good at ignoring it. Um, and that's called a divided heart. When you can break off and compartmentalise the parts of your life into the bits that God's allowed in and the bits that God's not allowed in. So it can end up looking a little bit like, okay, well, he's allowed to love me. I, I like his unconditional love, but he's not allowed to go messing with my future plans. I've got those sorted myself. He's allowed to save me. I need a saviour. I need his forgiveness. But I don't want him to go putting his finger on the way I treat people. Ouch. This hurts me too, people. <laughs> um, it's really great to have the promise of heaven. I like that eternal life stuff. And how much do we love that eternal life stuff? Um, but I don't want him to ask me to change in this earthly life. I just want to travel through the way I'm doing. And when we live that way, it actually feels quite strange. It feels a little bit like being a robot or being on autopilot. You don't ever feel completely like yourself in any situation. You might feel like you're being one person with one lot of people and being another person with another lot of people. Um, and you never really feel like you're all in anywhere. Sometimes it feels like the people don't even know the real you because there's parts of you that have been divided up and put little walls around what God's allowed in and what he's not allowed in. And that's when we end up this phenomenon where we can feel like a Sunday Christian. Okay? God can have an hour on Sunday and when we're here, we feel quite comfortable with that and we can worship and we can interact with people and we call it our church family and we're happy to be here. It's good. Uh, but then we kind of just do the rest of our life on autopilot. And we do our work or our school or our family um, without much interaction from God himself. So Jesus can have an hour on Sunday, but the rest of the week is mine. <laughs> All mine. <laughs> you know, Johan spoke a few weeks ago about Jesus being the narrow gate. It's this story he told when he was on earth. He said, I'm the narrow gate. Which is, there's only one way through to a life with God and that's through Jesus and what he did on the cross. So we have to believe he was who he said he was and did what he said he was going to do and he was the son of God. That's the only way. Um, you can't trick yourself into life with God by being super good. <laughs> Has anyone tried that before? <laughs> it's really hard, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not very good at being good. Anyway, there's only one way and that's the Bible says to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord to confess with your mouth and you will be saved. All right? we, it's him. He's the narrow gate, one way. And I actually grew up on a farm, a really big farm. You wouldn't pick it now because I'm so suburban. But <laughs> 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 I, 
you know, I grew up watching big machinery trying to get towed through gates. And it's really, there's only one way to do it. It's like if you're an angle out, if you don't swing right, you stuffed it up and you are in a world of pain and you've got to go around and do it again. But once you get through the gate, it's a whole paddock, right? Even I was allowed to drive in an open paddock because there's freedom. You can just go anywhere you like. But gate, it's only one way to do it. And it's the same with Jesus. There's only one way to be saved, and that's him. Once you go through that gate, though, there's a whole safe harbour. There's a big open space of what the rest of your life with Jesus looks like. There's a lot of freedom in that. Uh, it's very stretching, though, isn't it? Because we're living the rest of that bit in partnership with him. It's not a one-time salvation. It's a whole adventure which is informed by the word of God, taking this bit pretty seriously, and the power of the Holy Spirit. His voice actually speaks to us in our hearts. It's called being naturally supernatural. It's fun. It's really fun, which is exciting because I know there's people here today getting baptised. It's like this is the best decision you've ever made. It's going to be so much fun. Um, and that's why Jesus didn't say in Matthew 28... Um, that was the last physical words he spoke to us before he went back into heaven. He didn't say go into all the world and make salvations. He said go into all the world and make disciples. It's different, very different. Um, salvation is a one-time thing. It's just the start. It's just the gate. Discipleship is the rest of your life. And it involves this following of Jesus. So disciples back in Jesus' day, it was the word they used when somebody lived with someone 24-7, watched what they did and copied what they did. So life with God is 24-7 because Jesus wants disciples. And that's where it gets tricky because being a disciple looks like something. You can't just be a disciple on the inside, in your inner world, in your heart. Yeah? We've talked about how we can separate our heart out. So, yeah, Jesus can have my heart, but the rest of my life looks normal, like normal Australia. <laughs> Whatever that is now. <laughs> We're a pretty diverse bunch, aren't we? <laughs> I'm normal to me. <laughs> your physical body has to follow along, not just your inner world, not just your heart. Um, and if it doesn't, it's a divided heart, yeah? And if we try and focus on following Jesus from the outside in, like if I'm really good with my physical life and I follow all the rules and um, I'm really nice, really generous, never get angry, that's what some people think that following Jesus looks like, being good on the outside, yeah? But that's back to front, that's outside in. The Bible says we can't get to God that way. We can't earn his love and forgiveness by doing the right stuff, which is really good because it's exhausting. It's really hard work trying to be really good all the time. But if we do do that, it ends up looking like religion or legalism or rule-keeping or appearance management, which is no fun because it's kind of fake. So the real change, the real wholehearted bit, happens from the inside out. And we were reminded a few weeks ago of the process of sanctification. It's a process, life with God, it's a process. 
And sanctification is a word that just means being in the process of submitting our whole life to the Lordship of Jesus. So we're being changed all the time in our heart, in our inner world, by the things that he says. And taking the things he says so seriously that they have a higher priority in our lives than the things that we think and the things that we say. So let's talk a little bit about the whole getting saved thing. (laughs) The accepting Jesus thing. Because the Bible says when we accept Jesus, we become instantly spiritually alive again. And I remember that moment for me. I grew up in church and I did actually love God as a child. But I remember getting it. Do you remember the moment where you got it? Um, And I was a week off being 13 um, and I just got it. And all of a sudden, I just felt like I was bouncing off the walls. I felt so alive. And my Bible was like, (laughs) I would actually, I would like hold it. And I'm a book person anyway. And people who are book people know that when you really love a book, like sometimes you even smell the pages. Do you smell the pages? Marnie does. I know you do. And I couldn't stop holding this thing. And I just kept reading over and over and over again, John 15. Um, And it tells a story, the words of Jesus in John 15, tells a story about the vine and the branches. And it reminds us that the vine is the bit that's alive. Okay, It's rooted into the ground, it's where all the nutrients and all the water and all the good stuff comes from the vine. And the branches, well they're alive too as long as they're connected to the vine. It says abide in me. Um, So without being connected to this life of God... um, we're not really alive. And if part of our heart accepts him in salvation and then the rest of our life doesn't get touched by him, we're not fully connected to him. Yeah? It's really hard to stay alive that way and you can end up feeling like a dead branch. And the life of God is super fun. I just said super fun. Sorry, guys. I am 38. <laughs> I think. Am I 38? Yes. Good. (laughs) 30. (laughs) So where the power and the life is, is in Jesus. It's in his presence. If he doesn't invade our whole life, we're missing out on the life of God. Galatians 2, 20, 21 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So it's him doing the stuff. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. If righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So we can't do it outside in. If we could, Jesus would have died for nothing. It has to be this change of Christ in me, changing us from the inside out through every part of our life. It is a process, but that's what it means to live wholeheartedly. All in. Not dipping our toes in the tsunami. It's like, okay, here I am. (laughs) Here comes the tsunami. So I guess I want to talk into now, what do we do if we know and you can sense um, that parts of your heart have been torn off? Like that word from Russ was really great. Because sometimes um, the divided heart and the, the parts of our heart that we don't want to put before God again is because we've been disappointed or hurt Um, or been through some really tough stuff. And what do we do with that? We know that it's 
kind of a no-go zone for God, but there's no growth and no life in that. There has to be some courage to open that up, say, okay, God, it's all yours, all in, it's messy, but it's all in. And it's being that, having that soft heart before God, even though sometimes the process can be messy. And I was sharing this verse, totally out of order, sorry, Tony, um, this morning <laughs> with the 9.30 service, and I realised that lots of us have been to Sunday school, especially in decades past in Australia, going to Sunday school was a really common thing. A lot of people did, and we used to have to remember memory verses. Sometimes you even got stickers. And if you, if you got to the end of the year and you remember them all, you might have even got a puppy sticker with googly eyes. Did anyone get one of those? <laughs> I did get one. <laughs> um, which is why I can now say, <laughs> Mark 12, verse 30, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, all your heart. And was there a time in your life where you prayed that and you really meant it? You felt really alive in that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Yes, I'm in. And then over time, um, that's diminished a little bit and you can tell that there's hard-heartedness in you again. So how do we get back to that place where we're fully alive and we know that God's got everything of us? Well, only Jesus, really. <laughs> only Jesus. Ezekiel 36, 26. Um, this was prophesied before Jesus came about him. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. It's possible. It's possible to undo some of that hard-heartedness in us and soften up. But it comes through his spirit, okay, the presence of Jesus. And that spirit... Um, Someone, I think it was you, Michael, already said it this morning, that Jesus promised that he would send us a helper. That helper, we call the Holy Spirit, is actually the very power of God that raised Christ from the dead. That's the same spirit, that's the one who lives in here, in our inner world. That's the same spirit that created everything in the beginning. That kind of power, that's the one that chooses to occupy our heart. <laughs> and we can do no better than to give it all over to him. Because he's creative, he's good, he's loving and he's enough. He's powerful enough to do all those things. But we have to choose to stay connected to the vine. It's a choice to partner with the Holy Spirit in that process. So being in his presence can bring that wholeheartedness back. Um, and I love that today's Baptism Sunday because isn't that an example of what we're talking about? This change has happened in the inner world but it's not just staying as a one-time thing. It's now becoming something that takes precedence over and above the rest of our life. Now, our body is being <laughs> put in water and going under um, for Jesus. For Jesus. And what I love about Ezekiel 36, about that exchange that God makes, is... Ezekiel 37, and if you've been here at Redemption Hills for a couple of years, you'll know that we speak about this every couple of weeks and every time we think God's moved on, it, we keep saying it again. So he's still doing this, which is um, bringing dry bones back to life. 
So in Ezekiel 37, God comes to Ezekiel and tells him to do something. Um, and he does it, and then some crazy stuff happens. Sometimes there's weird stories in the Bible. We can't get around it. We're just going to work with it. Ezekiel 37 says, The hand of the Lord came upon me, brought, it, brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I'll put sinews on you, bring flesh over you, cover you with skin, put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And so Ezekiel does what God tells him to do, and all the bones get connected back together, and all the stuff appears, and the people are there, and then God breathes on them, and they all stand up, and they're an army again. Now that's freaky, yes. Um, but there's two things that God tells him to do. One is, hear the word of the Lord. Here it is. The words that God has spoken in here, we believe um, are true, complete, and they don't fail. And there's something in here for every moment of life. Um, and if we seek this out in those moments and defer to it as more important than how we feel and how we think, um, that's being wholehearted for God. And I've got a funny story about that. It's a cute story about Kate and Tim. It's not a very significant story, but that's why I want to tell it, because it's actually daily moments of submitting our whole heart to the Word and the Spirit that makes up a whole life of being a disciple, living life to the full. So when I first started to notice Tim, I was 16, and he had very nice brown eyes. Um, but he still does. But we were in a group of the same friends... <laughs> It's <laughs> making faces at me now and we would go places with our group of friends and you know youth events and we were all very passionate about Jesus but I started to notice that I quite liked his brown eyes um, and he used to drive a posty van an ex-posty van a red one right so where all the back seats are taken out so you can put the post in so there's just two seats at the front so if we're going together in the group of friends and I volunteered to go in Tim's car you see where I'm going with this had him all to myself for the whole car journey and we could find out about each other. Anyway, after one such trip, and I went to church the next morning, and then um, we opened up the chorus book. Do you remember the chorus books, the brown ones? If you grew up in Australian church, you might have known this one. And they start to sing, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Alleluia. Uh, Matt backed me up this morning with a little bit of the tune. Yeah, he's not going to do it now. It's just going to leave me hanging. Oh, there it is. <laughs> but to a 16-year-old heart who had just caught the eye of a young man, um, to hear that verse from God and then to drive with him an hour and a half back to Bernie, where we were from, just over and over, seek first the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom of God. And to sit on that and, and just hold that space and be patient. I was patient for two weeks, by the way, not a long time. That's all I could manage. I was patient for two weeks. But it was just an obedience check. Was Jesus first in this? Was I putting the kingdom first? And I know it's a dumb little story, but it's the moments of that 
that makes up our life of serving Jesus. Yeah. So, you know, you young people who are getting baptised today, this is just the start of the times that God's word is going to come into your life and mess it up. <laughs> for the better. Mess it up for the better. Because <laughs> he is the safe harbour. We line up with his word. And then um, the dry bones, they're all together and they heard the word of the Lord and it all, all happened the way God said it would. But then they had to wait for the breath to enter before they came back to life. And in the Bible, when sometimes when it says breath, it actually means the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And sometimes we try and live just by the Bible um, and it's kind of boring. And sometimes we just try and live by the Holy Spirit and we end up weird. <laughs> she says, trying to look normal again. <laughs> it's both. You need, you need more than one harbour light. Um, to get into a safe harbour. You need the Bible and you need the Holy Spirit. And so would you like, here's another cute Kate story about listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, so in our previous church in Sydney, we're in worship one Sunday. It's a very relaxed church like this one. And um, Tammy's laughing because every now and then she has a prophetic word about me dancing before the Lord. And she reminds me of it and she doesn't know this story. But um, I felt God say, I want you to dance. Now everything within me is shriveling up into a ball of embarrassment and I'm dying on the inside, saying he doesn't really mean it, he doesn't really mean it. Um, and as you grow in listening to the Holy Spirit, you'll start to recognise the physical signs on you when God's speaking to you and wants you to do something. You get hot, your heart starts to pound. The same phrase, just over and yeah, I want you to dance, I want you to dance. No, no, no. Um, um, but there's this song that I love and that has really touched me in my life called None But Jesus. And there's two lines in it. One says, when you call, I won't refuse. And when you call, I won't delay. And there was a choice to make there. It's like, okay. So I get up the front. <laughs> like, you know what it's like when God tells you to do something and you don't want to do it? That was my introduction. So already it was an anointed moment, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> But also, like, it's not, it wasn't a flashy church. There wasn't a stage. It was just a school gym. I had high heels on. I was already hot. <laughs> I was closing my eyes so I couldn't see anybody and see their reaction because I was so embarrassed, which meant that my balance was way off. Um, and also the power and the presence of God was on me. So instead of dancing, kind of what I did was just fall around up the front <laughs> quite a little bit, which is not really like me. I'm usually very socially acceptable. Um, and then sat back down. And then we went out for lunch with friends um, and they just started to have a little jibe, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, like, like the dancing that you did this morning. I was like, whoa. <laughs> All the anger and embarrassment rose up within them and I shut them down. Um, and then they proceeded to tell me what I couldn't see was that it actually really did release something in worship. Something really amazing and beautiful over the rest of the church that I didn't know. You see, because you're not responsible for the outcome. Only God, he's the vine. It's our job just to stay connected as the branch to the word and to the spirit and submit to that over and above everything else that we feel like doing or want to do. Um, and I'm still embarrassed telling that story. There you go. Uh, still, I have to submit to what God's told. And Tammy's laughing because she's like, he's going to ask you to do it again. <laughs> when he does, Tammy, I will obey. And the rest of you will know what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, or you can join in. Maybe he'll call you next. <laughs> oh. 
So it's this thing about being a disciple is that Jesus has to be the highest authority in our lives over how we feel, body, soul, spirit, all of it. He's got to have it all, the whole heart, wholeheartedness. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and all your strength. And that is when we're truly alive, life to the full. And so we get this full life with God, but it actually demands everything, doesn't it? It's a big call. And if we try and keep Jesus' influence in our life to this little compartment, little bit that Jesus can have, we're not really fully alive. And you will see that there won't be growth and adventure the way that there is when we're living life by the Spirit. But can I just say that the privilege of serving Jesus always outweigh the cost, always. There's no life like it. And if you want an example of this, um, Jesus. <laughs> Luke 22, 41 to 44. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. As two things evident there is that he's reacting emotionally to what God is asking him to do. It wasn't embarrassment, it was agony. And I think, just as an aside, especially for our young people, that this culture has sold us a big lie that actually the greatest cost is being awkward. Um, that actually the greatest cost is being disobedient. There are a lot worse things to be than to be awkward. Um, and Jesus was in agony. He knew that it was going to be really hard. And his whole emotional self was saying, uh-uh. <laughs> so much so that there's a physical reaction to that. So drops of blood in our sweat is a sign of extreme stress. So his body is reacting to what God is asking him to do. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I know I make it sound simple. But if we keep it that simple... When you call, I won't delay. When you call, I won't refuse. That is a really great way to live for God for the rest of your days. Because in saying, not your will, not my will, but your will be done, he gave up everything for us. The, the whole cost, the complete package, body, soul, spirit, all of it was for us on the cross. Um. And so when we choose that relationship with him, that's what it costs, all of us, body, soul, spirit. When he says, I choose you, and we say, I choose you back, that's what that means. And that's what communion is. We're actually going to take communion today um, in your own time. And the way we do it here is um, we'll just have some worship behind us and there's tables up the front and a serving person so that we keep everything clean the way it should be. <laughs> Um, but if you just make your way up, if you want to take communion today, if you're someone who follows Jesus or you know that you've been like that dead branch for a while and you want to graft back on to the life of God. And if you don't remember anything else today, remember this one thing, is that you're only ever one sincere prayer away. That's all it takes. It's instantaneous. Jesus, I'm all in. 
And he says, great, I choose you. Let's do it. So we're going to take the bread and the juice as this physical reminder. This physical reminder of what God has done for us and that we're choosing him back. Wholehearted, wholehearted. All in Jesus, not dipping our toe in a tsunami. (laughs) We're taking it all out. Um, So we'll sing this and let me just pray. Father God, I trust trust your word. We trust your spirit that what you want to do today is being done right now. In our hearts, God, we just unlock the parts of us that we've been holding back from you. We say that you are trustworthy. You are a good, good father. We can do no better than all of your love. And we just want to live in that place where we choose you and say you can have all of us. We want to love you with all of our heart, all our mind, all our soul and all our strength. 